Amen. 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 With the horns now. Amen. With the rhythm now. Hey. Amen. And so we're walking through Mark and looking at Jesus' conversations with some people and seeing what that means for us. I was listening to This American Life uh, a couple weeks ago, and there was a great story on there about a woman who just randomly received a can of black olives in the mail, a package containing only a can of black olives. And this great story about how she tried to figure out if it was a friend, and then she was on Urban Dictionary trying to figure out if, like, oliving was a thing, like sending somebody olives was, like, a popular prank that the kids do. And uh, she couldn't figure anything out. And so she created this sort of elaborate story about how this was, like, a romantic gesture, and someone was mysterious, someone was just sending out things. And, and so the person doing the story um, investigated and found that the reason why she received this can of olives was because she had ordered a dinnerware set on Amazon from a seller, and then he realized he didn't have it, so he had to buy it from Walmart.com. And in order to get free shipping, he was like a dollar short. And so he added this can of olives, because it was the cheapest thing he could find, to get free shipping. And there was, they, they started talking about, you know, uh, you know, some people see the world as this romantic possibility of like anything, and some people are just trying to get free shipping, you know. And... Um, <laughs> and uh, the reason I tell that story is because when we, we're going to talk about faith tonight, particularly faith and doubting. And, uh, you know, I think that we get pretty focused on are we like the romantic type? Are we like the pragmatic type? And really in the story, what, what mattered wasn't like how she thought about it. What mattered was the intentions of the person sending the olives, right? That was where the truth of that, that story lied. Uh, uh, laid? Lied? was lying. And, um, and uh, as we look at this passage tonight, I think what's really powerful about it, and usually I would read a passage like this and try to work through it, but I really just want to use this as an example of having faith. And it's not really so much about the quality of your faith, how strong you feel like your faith is, but it's about that person on the other end of that faith, the object of our faith. So I'm going to read through, make a couple comments as I go, and then we'll jump in and talk about faith. Just so glad. I know that there's lots of different kinds of folks in the room tonight, and we're thrilled by that. And however many people are in here, there's that many different experiences with God and with the Bible and with the church. And um, just grateful that God can meet us where we are. So let's listen. This is the word of the living God. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them. Jesus had just been on a mountain showing his glory and was like shining um, like the sun. But, but that's another story. And scribes were arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. So this guy, this, this, this young boy has... Um, a, a spirit, uh, some kind of demonic spirit that is giving him epileptic type symptoms, making him struggle with his speech. 
It's really oppressing him physically. And Jesus answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Really what he's saying there is that if, if, if you're trusting God, God can do anything he wants. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And what he's getting after there when he says this kind can't be driven out by anything but prayer is like, this one's kind of beyond you. Got to trust God with this one. So let's pray. This is God's word. We're going to ask him to uh, be with us now as we consider it together. Uh, Father, uh, we, we pause in the middle of our week. We take a breath. We remember that we have a body, that we're limited. We're only right here, right now. And um, Lord, we're needy. And we need you to be with us. We need you to show us the way of life and the way of truth and peace. And Lord, we grieve and have been grieving. And though even you say that the world, the earth itself grieves and groans, that things aren't right and that there's violence and oppression and um, there's broken relationships. And Lord, we desperately um, plead with you, no matter if we even really know you or not, inside we're pleading with you to make things new if you can. And Lord, um, we confess that by saying we can't, if you can, that's just a way of saying, like, we're not really sure. And um, we thank you that you meet us, Lord, where we are, and that you are able to do anything that you want, and that you're willing to love your people. And so, Lord, we pray, particularly for our campus now, we pray for our Jewish students who are reeling and feeling unsafe. Pray for any of our students that are feeling unsafe, particularly uh, the women among us that are feeling unsafe and have felt unsafe. Um, we pray that you would comfort us, Lord Jesus. We, we, we hear your promise that one day you're going to make everything new. And we ask you to, to show us a little bit of that even tonight, um, how you make us new and how you're going to make the world new. Would you show yourself to us, Lord Jesus, we pray through your word. In your name, amen. So the reason why I wanted to focus on this passage is because as we talk about faith and doubt, what does it mean to believe? What this guy says, what this father in this, in this story says, is something that we think is just definitely contradictory. He says, when Jesus says anything's possible for someone who believes, he says, I believe, help my unbelief. And we hear that and we think, that can't be right. You either believe or you don't believe, right? Because uh, we think that faith is like, um, it's like intellectual cert- like certainty, right? 
well, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that there is no God, or I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that there is a God. Or we think that faith is like um, emotional certainty, you know? When I, when I come in, I sing, I worship, I just feel that God is with me. And there was a time where I didn't feel that way, and now I feel that way all the time, and that's, how, that's what faith is. Or we think that faith or having a relationship with God is moral consistency, right? Well, you know, I, I used to live this way, but now I live this other way. And my relationship with God is pretty much that I, I do what he tells me to do, and it's not that hard, you know? And that's kind of exhausting because if you have doubts, which you do, or if you didn't read your Bible this week, if you come from a you know, particularly churchy background, or if you didn't feel a connection with God during our singing tonight because you're like, someone's blood is getting on me. That makes me feel dirty, not clean. That song's weird. Um, we can talk about that later, what that means. It's, it's a weird song. Um, or uh, if you went to the local on Thursday night or you pregame too hard on Saturday, um, you know, then your faith is like gone, right? If it's intellectual certainty, emotional certainty, moral consistency, then your faith is always in question. But I've got some good news for everyone here. Um, At its core, faith is not about how much you know or what you feel or even how you live. Actually, faith isn't really all that much about you. Faith at its core is about receiving and resting in Jesus. It's not about the person believing, but the object that someone is believing in. And all I really want to talk about is what, that faith is receiving and faith is resting. By definition, faith is not about you, but about what you're putting your faith in. Faith actually isn't even something you do. It's actually you're receiving something. You've received a gift, right? And uh, if you are a good gift receiver, then you receive it with thankfulness. You don't offer to pay back or anything like that. You just simply put your hands out and you take the gift. And faith is the mechanism by which we receive what Jesus has done. So I'm going to throw a bunch of like random images at stuff at you tonight and just hope that some of it sticks. Okay? I, don't usually, I don't usually teach like this, but I'm going to. Faith is like a straw. Okay? <laughs> Let's say you're a cookout. Let's go to cookout later. Can we go to cookout afterward for milkshakes? That sounds like a good plan. It's a beautiful night. Um, I got some applause. Okay, fantastic. I know how to get some easy applause. Um, imagine you're, you're having milkshake. Faith is the straw. The object of that faith is the milkshake, right? The thing that you desire, the thing that you long for is the shake. The straw is how you get the shake. Uh, faith is like an IV tube. Okay? Everyone's like, okay. And the IV bag is full of fluids or nutrients or a blood transfusion. The tube is how it gets to your body. Faith is like a computer charger. Okay? Which I often forget. Um, It's not the power. It's the mechanism by which you get the power. Now, if you're drinking a milkshake, your straw might be one of those big old smoothie straws. You know what I'm talking about. The bubble tea straw, so you can get the tapioca up in the straw. Um, It can be a big, thick straw. It might be a coffee stirrer straw, right? You might get, thank you for that sound effect. It might deliver a lot of shake at a time, or a little bit of shake at a time. Maybe a frustratingly small amount of shake at a time, right? Someone said retweet. But it's just how you access the shake, right? It's what puts you in touch with the shake. Jesus 
is the source of spiritual life and freedom and health and forgiveness and new life. He is the source and our faith is the way that we access him, be it small or great, consistent or inconsistent. And some of y'all are straight up miserable in your relationship with God because you are so focused on your faith about how good it is or how consistent it is or how, or how grand it is or how you feel about it when you wake up and how you feel about it when you go to bed. You're really putting your faith in the faith instead of in Jesus. Is it good enough? Do I know enough? Do I feel it enough? Meanwhile, your charger is plugged into the computer, but it's not plugged into the wall, right? And you're like, why? My, my charger is broken. And the charger was intended to be plugged into Jesus. You don't have power because you're not plugged into the source. You don't taste sweetness because they haven't plunged the straw into the shake. You're sucking on the air, you know? (laughs) And you aren't healing because you aren't connected to the blood. You're not connected to the, the nutrients, to the fluid. Some days you're convinced and others you doubt. Some days you feel it. Some days God feels totally absent. Some days you're faithful to God. Some days you totally fall flat on your face. And if you think that God is putting the security of your relationship with him uh, on you and on your ability to just receive it really well, it just means that you either don't know much about God or you don't know much about yourself yet. Because God is much more consistent and gracious than we can imagine. And we are very deeply inconsistent people. If you want that intellectual or, or moral or emotional confidence to grow, what I'm saying here and what Jesus is pushing this man toward is that you have to go to Jesus. He is the object that our faith finds its connection to. Um, and that, that, that can look like a lot of really practical things. That can look like going to his, to his word and saying, like, I want to I hear you. I wanna, you say that you're speaking to me through this. I wanna, I wanna, I'll go to that. Or it can look like connecting with other Christian people. Um, it can look like uh, praying and meditating on Jesus. It can look like serving people the way Jesus served. And those are all ways of saying simply to meditate on Jesus. To give Jesus time in your thoughts and in your words and in your life. Enough to say, I'm inconsistent, he's consistent. I run from God, he ran to God. I'm weak, he's strong. Faith is not doing something for Jesus, but receiving everything from Jesus. Um, I'm convinced, when I, when, I, when I say, hey, how's it, how, how's it going? Like, some of y'all, I mean, I, I know you, and you're like, you, you're... You're like, I have faith in Jesus. I'm like, how's that going? And you start telling me about the stuff that you're not doing well. Or even more insidiously, you start telling me the stuff that you are doing well. And I just don't hear much about Jesus. And then I'm like, well, it's no question that you're not feeling joy because Jesus is the fullness of joy. And to be with him is to know the fullness of joy. So faith is receiving. Simply putting out your hands. Like this man, he goes to Jesus and he says, uh, I'm, I'm desperate here. I need help. I don't know how to fix this. Like, can, can you? Like, can you? And he, he merely asks. And the good news is that anyone that asks Jesus 
um, to meet them, to refresh them, to give them new life. He says that he will never cast that person away. So faith is a receiving, but faith is also resting. Now, when this man came to Jesus, he said, hey, if you can, I guess he sensed that like Jesus was probably willing, but maybe not able because it seems like a pretty intense job. If someone was like, hey, can you cast this demon out? I wouldn't really know what to do. Um, I would feel like maybe there was something I should do and have a lot of shame later about why I wasn't able to do it. And that happened to the disciples as well. Um, but he, Jesus takes this opportunity to push into this man's faith and say, if I can, well, you know, anything is possible. If you believe in God and you trust him and he's able to do anything he wants, the only if isn't if God can, it's if I'm willing to do it. But this father's faith, no matter how small or big it was, had absolutely no effect on one very important thing, and that is Jesus' ability or willingness to heal his son. It does not matter how well this man was able to believe or how consistently, regardless, Jesus was able and willing to heal his son because faith is arresting in Jesus. Um, Y'all know how to do that, everybody, because you're doing it currently. You are resting right now on a chair. And uh, what, what, what does that involve? Like, what are you doing? You're not doing anything. Somebody said chilling. Thank you. <laughs> Correct. You were currently chilling, Brett Joseph. Um, baby boy Brett. Um, <clears throat> you are exercising faith in the chair that you're sitting in. It doesn't matter if you think that the chair can hold you or not. It is able Your faith is well-grounded because the chair is able. All the Father in this story did was ask, and Jesus did everything because he was able and willing to save his son. Faith is arresting on Jesus. I have a friend, and he works for the athletic department. And it's a great friend to have if you want to go see football games. And... uh, He, uh, there, there was a game once where I wanted to get in the game, but the game was sold out and it was hard to get tickets. And so he met me at the gate and he handed me his pass, like his lanyard, right? And had his name on it. And it, it was an all access pass to everything in the football stadium. I could go up to the, is it the, no, is it the sixth floor where the food is? Yes. Yeah. I could go to the sixth floor. I could go to the press box. I could go anywhere. I could, I could probably even have got down on the field if I really tried, right? Everywhere I went, I had his pass. It was not my pass. I don't work for the athletic department, obviously. Um, <clears throat> I didn't earn the pass. It didn't have my name on it. It was his pass, but I got the benefits. And no matter where I went in the stadium, if someone said, I'm not sure you're supposed to be here, I would say, this pass says I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> That's funny, because I'm wearing this lanyard around my neck, and this thing says I can go, it says all access, not some access. Right? If someone came to me and they, and they said, hey, you're not supposed to be here, I said, let's look at the past, man. I was, res- I was resting in someone else's benefits. I didn't earn them. I didn't do anything. Except for I just wore it and rested in it. And, you know, I know you're like, you know, you can't be a Christian because you got hammered on Saturday and you blacked out in a bush. Um... And like, yeah, that happened. 100%. Uh, But you know, my ability to be sober or not doesn't change anything about Jesus. 
This is, this is what, uh, one of the things that always just blows me away when I think about God. And I, med- and I actually spend time meditating on, on God and who he is and how he works in, in our lives. Is that, you know, when God created everything, he created things to function with time, like consecutive order. But, like, that's not how it is for him. Right? So, like, if you belong to Jesus and you're like, uh, you know, Jesus is the, is the pass, the holder, and gives me the pass. He secured that pass like thousands of years ago. You understand? Not like a year ago. Like 2,000 years ago, Jesus lived and died and was raised so that you could be made right with God and have, a new, and have new life in him. And so the thing that you actually are accessing and resting on happened literally thousands of years ago. And so to think that your screw-up or your doubt is somehow going to put that in jeopardy is just kind of silly, honestly. You know, I walked around with that pass, and, 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 and people were like, are you supposed to be here? Look at the pass. Should I do everything that in my power to honor the person whose name is on the pass? Absolutely. Because, you know, it's like his reputation that's on the line when I walk around with this pass. Like, he loves me. He's my friend. He's given me this for free. I didn't ask for it. I just wanted to go to Miami game, you know? Um, <clears throat> the status and access that I've been given to that space should absolutely change how I live. But my status, uh, but how I live doesn't change my access and status. It's not my reputation, but his reputation that I'm resting on. My reputation is beside the point. The degree to which I am knowledgeable about football is beside the point. All that matters is the reputation and the good name of the person on the past. And Jesus says, if anyone comes to me, I make them a new creation. They're in me. Everything that's true of me is true of them now. And it was secured in the past. Last night, there was the National League wildcard game, which is just brutal because it's one game. It's like, well, playoffs are over for you, buddy. And uh, if you had faith in the Chicago Cubs last night, I'm real sorry, because um, they lost. And uh, I feel great because I love the Braves, and they have the worst record of all the National League baseball teams, uh, playoff teams, but they're sitting free. And the problem last night, if you had faith in the Cubs, wasn't with the quality of your faith. It was with the object of your faith. Mary Beth, you might want to sit this, this one out for a second. Okay. They just weren't able to win. Like they tried, but they lost. No matter how committed you were to the Cubs and the game, no matter how much you knew about the Cubs, how knowledgeable, deeply ingrained you knew about the Cubs, no matter that your grandpa played for the Cubs, right? No matter how passionately you yelled, no matter how much Cubs gear you wore, didn't change the fact that they were unable to win. They lost. Okay? You can rest in Jesus and you can really only rest in him because he is the only one who is able to win over death, to overcome death. The only one that is able to give you new life. You can rest in Jesus because he is able. He lived and died and was raised from the dead and has gone to glory. And he says that I, when I go there, anyone puts their faith in me, they come with me. And you can believe him because he's able. Some of us are looking for a really specific sign you know, we tell God, like, if you do this thing, I will believe. And uh, that, that's fair and honest. And I think all of us have probably been there to some degree. 
The good news is that God has provided a son. And it happened way before any of us were born. When an innocent Jesus suffered a guilty person's death and rose from the grave three days later so the guilty people could become innocent. That was the sign that God gave you that you could trust him. That he was able to save you. That's the sign. And if you're skeptical of it, my, my invitation as a person that is often skeptical of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the Bible and the church and all that stuff, who wrestles daily with that, my invitation would be for you to investigate that reality. Because the word gospel, when we say gospel, it means good news. It's a message of something that already happened. It's a word that used to be used when people would be out fighting in a battle and then they, they would, the, 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 the war would be over. The enemy had surrendered. But the people out here fighting didn't know about it yet. And a messenger would come with a gospel. A good news that it's already over. It's a message of something that happened. You might not believe in Iceland. Okay? You might be like, I don't know. <laughs> Iceland? Has anyone been there? Um, <laughs> you might not believe in Iceland, but it, it's there. Uh, this is going to sound like such a swerve. You might not believe in the Holocaust, but it happened. Okay? Do some investigation. And if you actually investigate, you will grow in confidence. And the same is true of Jesus. There was this old African bishop a couple thousand years ago named Augustine. And I love how he puts this. He says, I believe that I might understand. He said, it's faith seeking understanding, which is how we do life no matter what it is. You're studying anthropology, you're studying social work, you're studying business, you're studying education. You put faith in that thing and then you investigate it. You say, I think it's true. I think I'm passionate about it. Now I will find out about it. Faith-seeking understanding. That's, I believe, help my unbelief. That's life with God. I, I think I believe, I want to believe, I'm trying to believe. Help me. And God will always answer. He's able. But he's also willing. Um, I want to end with this. My kids... Uh, my, my second grader, she, she can read now. She's getting pretty great at reading, actually. It's pretty cool. But now we can't spell things in front of her. Like, do you want to go to C-H-I-P, you know, however you spell Chipotle? And, uh, and uh, now she's like, we're going to Chipotle? Uh, but my kids, they, they make signs all the time. Like, that's like their job. They make signs. I need, I need a sign. I'm making a car repair shop. I need a sign. I'm like, Okay. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing a salon and we need a spa treatment, I need a sign for that. I'm writing a letter to the person across the street. And they will say, Daddy, and they will ask me how to spell every single word. And I'm like, in the kitchen. Daddy, how do you spell this? Daddy, how do you spell that? And um, they believe, they have faith that I am not only able to spell the words, like that I functionally am, am able to do that because I'm an adult, but also that I want to spell the words correctly because I intend them good and not evil. That I want to bless them and not curse them. And interestingly, last night I was thinking about this stuff and I asked my two oldest daughters, they're seven and five, I asked them individually, I said, when you hear faith, the word faith, and you think about faith in Jesus, what, what, is that, what, do you, what does that mean? And they both said, it means trust means that I trust Jesus. I'm like, trust Jesus what? Trust that he loves me. Trust that what he says is true, right? They trust the object of their faith, which is me. They trust me because I've shown that I'm trustworthy. 
And they've come to me again and again. And their faith has deepened as they've seen that not only am I able, but I'm also willing to do the thing that they asked me to do. Jesus not only can heal you and save you and give you new life, he would desperately like nothing more than to do that. Than to answer your pray, your prayer. He came that you might have life and have it to the full, and you can trust him because he rose from the dead, and you can trust you can trust that he's able because he rose from the dead. And you can trust that he's willing because he went to the grave in the first place. So committed was he to your freedom and new life that he went to death so that anyone in him won't die but live forever. He hasn't broken a promise yet. So to close, please, if you want to be joyful in God, and and you do, and I do too, stop obsessing about your faith how good it is and start receiving simply open-handed what Jesus has done for you already. Stop obsessing about your faithfulness, how consistent you are morally and rest in what Jesus has done. He's not just able to change your life and free you from death. He's also willing, more willing than you can imagine. And I invite each of us tonight to say to him, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I trust you. Help me to trust you more. Let's pray. Actually, grab the hands of the person next to you. Because I'm all about that hand-holding vibe. It's good to feel another person's touch. Let's pray. Lord, as we, as we grab the hand of the person next to us, we're reminded again that we are here, that we are limited. Hey, now. Got a hand-holder up here. Um, that, uh, that you are with us. That you love us as we are, where we are right now, and that you're able to do so much more than we could possibly imagine or think. And Lord, we get really discouraged and depressed because we just don't measure up to anything that we want to measure up to. And Lord, the good news is that we receive everything that Jesus has done and he is off the charts in love, joy, peace, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, self-control, all those things that come from you. We receive those from him. And we can rest in him because he's able and willing to save us. Would you teach that to us, Lord, tonight uh, as we leave this place? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say-